Disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult themes and topics. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Hi and welcome to episode number two of Here She Comes, Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. I'm Jasmine Aziz. I want to start by thanking everyone for the overwhelming support and love from the first episode. Thank you so much. This was a massive leap of faith for me to take a chance and release my second novel via podcast as opposed to a traditional book launch. So this incredible, overwhelming, positive response is truly amazing and I am deeply, deeply grateful for it. Thank you so much for every like, share, love, subscription, kind word, sweet note, the hugs of support, and yes, even the samosas. On the last episode, I explained how I met Lammy and how we started dating. That's a shameless plug, so you can go back and listen to the first episode again in case you missed it. Now, you can be sure it wasn't all rose petals on the bed from the first day we met or flaming fireworks going off in the sky and all that crap. I barely understood how my own body worked and knew even less about sex. He was the second man I'd ever been with sexually. I never dated anyone in high school, so when the other girls were getting swoony over boys, I was still going home for lunch every day and hanging out with my mother, and yes, I was watching the Flintstones. I say that with a great deal of pride. Boys, kissing, first base, second base, any base, they were all the farthest thing from my mind. Somewhere in the back of my unibrowed head, I believed that sex was something I was supposed to save for my husband, and even then, I was told it wasn't going to be that enjoyable. In fact, it was on that fateful trip to India when I was looking for an arranged marriage, remember that, that I was sitting by one of my aunts at a function and she thought she was doing me a favor by giving me sex advice because at that time marriage was an imminent part of my future. Now, what she said was so horrific that I actually built it into my novel Sex and Samosas. Here's a quick reading from the novel based on what she said to me at that function. At my marriage ceremony, my Aunt Jemma took me aside to give me a sex talk, providing me with the same advice she had been given on her wedding night. Listen to me, Lena. I will tell you what to do, na? Sex is a very simple dimple. You just let him do what he need to do and you count to 40 in your head. She looked me square in the eye with a seriousness that chilled me. When it be over, then, well, you go make the doll. There was no talk about love, no talk about emotional connections or technique, just the basic understanding that sex is the man's domain and mine was the doll. Stop, 
So you can imagine with that kind of advice floating around in my head, I didn't put a whole lot of stock in sex. I wasn't expecting it to be anything spectacular. And then this big muscly dude walks into my life and a dark part of my curiosity starts to peek towards the surface. It was probably only a month after dating that Lammy brought up the idea of a threesome. And I don't mean in a casual way. It was in an obsessed way, so much so that I was convinced it was the only kind of sex he had before he met me. One night, shortly after we had started dating, he said he wanted to go for a walk after dinner. I was just happy to walk hand in hand with him through my neighborhood when he starts to head towards this little forest near my house. I start to get nervous, really nervous, because in my mind, Countless episodes of Murder, She Wrote are floating through my head and I'm convinced he's going to kill me in the woods or we're going to be attacked by hooligans hanging out among the trees. Either way, I'm not relaxed. While we're walking, more like he's walking and I'm almost running to get to the other side, he brings up the subject of a threesome for the first time. He's giving me a lecture on threesomes 101. And all I can think is that every twig snapping in the distance is Sasquatch with a knife looking to carve us up for dinner. Needless to say, I'm not listening to anything he's saying. Somewhere in that long lecture was something about how you just can't have a threesome. It has to be with the right person. It isn't something that happens spontaneously. It has to be planned or else there's going to be many relationship issues. Blah, blah, blah. All I heard was blah, blah, blah. Twig cracking in the background. Blah, blah. There are demons in the woods. Blah, blah. Is that a dead body? Blah, 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 blah. When we finally emerge from the forest, happily, all in one piece, I finally ask him, so, how many threesomes have you had? And he says to me, none. Just like that, none. That made no sense to me. So, without even really thinking or caring, to be quite frank, I casually said, okay, we can do a threesome if that's what you want. He stopped, dead in his tracks. He turned and looked at me with such a serious expression that it actually caught my breath. I swear if he was a cartoon, his eyes would have turned into two giant heart-shaped orbs. He said, are you serious? I didn't give it much thought. I just nodded and then he kissed me so deeply that I swear he must have been able to taste my lungs. From that moment on, sex and all of its incredible deviations was all we seemed to talk about. One of these discussions led to the topic of lingerie. I asked him what he liked, and I'll never forget his response. It was, don't worry, you'll look good in what I like. It took a month before I could pry out of him that he had a pleather fetish. Now, being the hardcore vegetarian I was at the time, I had a nice collection of sensible pleather shoes, pleather belts, and even a pleather spring jacket. But that wasn't the kind of pleather he meant. At the time of my life, I had no idea that there was a whole other world out there of rubbery, leather-looking attire. The internet wasn't such a big thing back then, and it wasn't like I was the kind of person who frequented sex stores. I knew that if I was going to make him happy, I'd have to go into a sex store and find something he'd like. So I went. 
The salesperson suggested I try on a few pieces to see what made me feel the sexiest. So I took her advice and I went in the change room with a rubber French maid's costume, tube top and a matching skirt, and a baby doll with white lace around the edges. I spent most of the time in the change room trying to get out of the outfits because I don't know if you've ever tried on pleather, but once it's on, it sticks like glue. I can only imagine what the salesperson thought of the grunts that were coming out of my change room combined with the squishing and farting sounds the pleather was making. Very embarrassing. The baby doll seemed like it would be a winner, but once I got it on and surveyed myself in the mirror, I looked more like an overstuffed tube of toothpaste than a sex kitten. I squeezed the outfit off me and I left the store without purchasing anything. I was completely mortified by how ridiculous I looked in pleather. I took this experience and I used it in my novel Sex and Samosas. In the following scene, my character Lena recalls her own anxiety-fueled experience buying lingerie, something that I think a lot of women can relate to. The scene involves her paternal grandmother, also known in my culture as her daddy. I never enjoyed lingerie shopping. It made me feel uncomfortable and unsure of myself from the very first bra I ever tried on. When my mother first noticed that it was time for me to wear a bra, I was excited because I thought my experience lingerie shopping was going to be as lovely as when my closest friend at the time, Carol, had bought hers with her mother. They turned the whole experience into a special day, going for tea, shopping for shoes, and buying lingerie like grown-up ladies. Carol was so proud of herself that she showed her fancy white cotton bra to all the girls in the washroom and regaled us with stories of how her mother called her a little lady and that they would be shopping for makeup and other special big girl items in no time. I ran home and excitedly told my mother that we should go for tea and buy my first bra since that's what Carol and her mother did. My mother winced, shook her hands at the sky and gave me $20, telling me to buy whatever Carol had bought. I was too embarrassed to ask Carol outright for any advice and avoided making the purchase, clutching my $20, until the edges were frayed, the center was torn, and it was a wrinkled mess. After a very painful gym class, I realized I had no choice but to go shopping. I knew my mother wouldn't go with me, so I asked my grandmother. We will buy you the best training bra there is, my daddy said as we trolled the discount bins in the local mall. She managed to find a white cotton bra with a Velcro clasp in front that she told me to try on in the fitting room. I was uncomfortable and horrified when she lifted her weathered old hands to my breasts and squeezed them tightly to see if they would come out of the brassiere. Nothing like a bra that doesn't keep them locked in place. It can be very embarrassing for you, my darling Linu. Having my elderly grandmother feel me up in the change room of the discount store wasn't all that wonderful either. I think this one will do, I said, wanting to get the experience over with as soon as possible. Just like all the other girls now, na? My daddy said with a smile, her front teeth missing, her old skin rising up in lines around her mouth. Carol's had a small pink flower on it, but this one will do. We paid for the bra. Instead of going out for tea, my daddy took me to her house and made me chai and fresh samosas. While I cleaned up the kitchen, she emerged from her bedroom with my bra in hand out of its box and dangling from her arthritic fingers. What is that? I asked, spying something on the front flap of Velcro. Just like all the other girls, she said with a smile, lifting the bra up for me to see. 
She had crocheted a tiny pink and white flower to the front of the fabric and stitched it in place over the closure. I was immensely proud of my new lingerie until one of the girls in the locker room spread the rumor that my family was so poor I couldn't afford a real bra like everyone else, so I had to make one for myself. My patchwork bra became a greater source of mockery as within weeks all of the other girls had upgraded their cotton bras for lacy ones with wire. I was too embarrassed to ask my daddy to go shopping with me again, so I turned changing my clothes in the locker room into an art, managing to hide from everyone and emerge fully clothed when it was time to take the field for class. I didn't give my lingerie another thought until I started dating Jonathan. I rationalized that it was my first real relationship and worthy of an investment in some sort of sexy undergarment that might come close to what I had seen the other girls in the dorm wearing. I found what I thought was the sexiest pair of lace panties I had ever seen for less than a quarter of what I paid for my first bra. They were a full panty of black lace with a red bow at the front. I wore them to class one day, anticipating with excitement the look on Jonathan's face when he saw me in them. As I sat in class, the lace dug into my skin and began to irritate the tender flesh between my legs and on my thighs. I started to subtly scratch at it at first and then itch it more aggressively until the professor noticed me vigorously rubbing myself between my legs and evicted me from the class for the rest of the lecture. Get your rocks off in your dorm room like everyone else, one of the girls sitting next to me commented snidely. Pervert, another shot at me as I fled from the room. Call me, one of the boys from my row shouted. Months of just talking and talking and talking about sex toys, lingerie, and threesomes, but not acting on any of the discussions, left me frustrated and questioning why things weren't moving forward. Was it me? Was my inexperience scaring him off or turning him off? Now, it wasn't like I had never used a sex toy before I met him. I did have some experience in this department already. Not long after my first short-lived relationship had ended, my mother and I were watching a television show that made a joke about owning a vibrator. I made an off-handed comment lamenting that a vibrator was probably the closest I was ever going to have to being intimate again. That's when my mother asked me if I wanted to buy one for myself. I can have those kinds of discussions with my mother. She's like that. But that doesn't mean that I was comfortable having this discussion, so I changed the subject. Then one day, my mother and I are parked in a strip mall that had this small sex store in it, and before I know it, she's pulled me into the shop so we could find something to fill the hole in my life. (laughs) Those are my words, not hers, but I think if you know me, you know that. Now, being in a sex store with my Indian mother was not an easy experience, despite her heartfelt desire to just see me happy. It was sensory overload. There were rubber dicks, straps that went on for miles, DVDs lined up like it was cockbusters, not blockbusters, get it? And giant bottles of liquid in every color under the sun. I had no idea what I wanted, so I picked up a box that had one torpedo-shaped toy in it and a few weird-looking attachments because it seemed like it had the most bang for the buck. (laughs) Get it? That's funny. But the truth is, it appealed to my inherent frugality. I wanted one thing that would do the job of 10 because that seems like a good deal. I grabbed the box, head to the cash. As I'm getting ready to pay and trying to get out of the store as quickly as possible, my mother, used to a lifetime of sales and from a culture of bargaining, asks if we could get a discount on the dildos if we buy more than one. Yeah, I rushed us both out of there. I think I used the toy once after I got it home. The idea of playing with it, knowing my mother was upstairs and that she knew I had it, made me so tense I couldn't enjoy it. 
plus the motor on the thing sounded like a 747 taking off so it wasn't all that discreet. A good friend of mine gave me a few things to play with when I first started dating Lammy. She was well versed in the art of adult toys at the time and it was all really new to me. Though Lammy and I had some fun with some of the stuff she bought, it was still really difficult for me to figure out what he liked and what he didn't like. So when my buddy Max told me her friend from nursing school was throwing a sex party, you can imagine just how high I leapt at going to that party. We arrived late, so we missed the spiel about how the company worked in the sales afterwards. We walked in right after the name tags had been made and halfway through what was supposed to be a fun quiz to lighten the mood, but it felt more like a pop quiz in biology. The woman running the presentation had her hair severely tied back. She was wearing a lab coat with a gold pin, and she really didn't appreciate any of my feeble attempts to lighten the mood and the jokes I was making. I even lamented to my friend, I thought this was supposed to be fun. I'm not having any fun. Once the consultant was done, she packed up a few things and disappeared to the upstairs bedroom. That's when five women I had never met before in my life came up to me and asked me random questions about sex. After the third one, I began to wonder why they were asking me questions. I was there looking for answers myself. It got to the point where my buddy Max asked me, do you know these women? And I'm like, no, you know you're the only person I know here. After the last woman asked me a question about lubricants, I decide it's time to leave. And again, I didn't buy anything. It wasn't until after a friend of mine, let's call her Mona, asked me how things were going with my new boyfriend that the thought of selling the toys actually occurred to me. I was bemoaning to her the fact that I was beginning to think Lammy was all talk and that he wasn't willing to really try anything new and exciting. She asked me what kind of things I wanted to try. Now, you have to understand this. I have nothing but respect and love for my beautiful friend, Mona. She was an incredible person who just happened to be the most amazingly promiscuous soul I've ever known. She slept with half the city of Ottawa and probably more than half the people listening to this podcast, but I don't judge her. Never will. I love her just the way she is, and I love especially the fact that I can talk to her about anything. So when I brought up the sex party, of course, she wanted lurid details. So I tell her, it wasn't a good party. The consultant was this awful stuck-up bitch. She didn't even have vibrating butt plugs to sell. It's totally lame. I wouldn't go to one of these parties. Uh, vibrating what now? She asks me. I honestly have never seen her eyes that big. I say, vibrating butt plugs. You know. You must know what I'm talking about. Her face registers nothing but quiet anticipation. So I go on. It uh, it goes up your bum. It vibrates. Not rocket science, Mona. Don't tell me of all the people in the world, you have never heard of this. How do you know about it? She asked me. Oh, a friend of mine. She bought it for me when I first started seeing Lammy. So far, it's been the only thing I've managed to get Lammy to try with me. And we only tried it once. I haven't been able to get him to try anything else. I've never tried anything like that. Maybe it just wasn't good. That's my Mona voice. It's pretty sexy, right? I say, oh, hell no. It was amazing. See, it went in me. And then when it was inside me, we could both feel it pulsing. It's like it fused us together and we got to feel the vibration. It was the most incredible sensation. My brain was lit right up. At one point, we're fighting over who got to handle the remote control and the speed of the vibrator. 
Mona takes a deep breath and closes the distance between us, putting her hands on my shoulders. She looks me square in the eyes and says, sell me this toy now. And I'm like, I don't have it to sell. It's not like I go around with the thing in my butt all day. Can you buy me one? Go buy your own. And that's when she said the words that I can still hear ringing in my ears. Jasmine, I'm not comfortable going into a sex store by myself. Now, if the most promiscuous person I knew was A, convinced to try something she had never done before because of something I said, and B, was willing to pay me to go get it for her, then maybe, just maybe, I had a new sales career to consider. On the next episode of Here She Comes, I'll be reading chapter one from my long-awaited second novel, Bring Your Own Batteries, The Memoirs of a Retired Vibrator Seller. And by long-awaited, I mean it's about fucking time I release this book. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please feel free to reach out to me via social media. You can follow me on Instagram, Jasmine underscore Aziz. I'm on Twitter, at Jasmine Aziz, and I'm on Facebook. Or email me, Jasmine at jasmineaziz.com. Until next time, remember, the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it, because here she comes. I'm just a popcorn dreaming, gonna red and back to butter you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.